The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, a clopolypse now. Team with Vinicius stuns team with win issues at Anfield. We get the 5-2 fallout and check out the other Champions League action taking place this week, including homo arachnoid meme action ahoy, Guardiola against Guardiola in City at Leipzig. Also, pass to death, League Cup final, our 1955 correspondent reports, and back to the present for what does Spurs Chelsea mean for Graham Potter's future. All of that and much, much more in this Totally Football Show. Thursday the 23rd of February and joining us today on the Totally Football Show, Duncan Alexander. Hello, James. Hello, Duncan. Joey Durso. Hello, Joey. Hi, James. And a very special guest today, Martin O'Neill, OBE. Hello, James. Hello, Martin. Thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure. You are fresh from the dentist as well. Yeah, um, a 10, 15 minute visit. Oh, that, yeah, that was very, very quick because um, I told him to rush it today. I had, I had made the appointment and I didn't want it to be overlapping, uh, mm. seeing your good self today. So I just told him to rush it. So it was, uh, it, it, essentially, it was a worthless visit. But anyway. Right. And how so was the dentist? <laughs> he, was, he, he was good. He didn't care whether I was right. going to be 15 minutes or an hour. He's, he's still going to charge me the same amount of money. Well, that's true, isn't it? Martin, of course, uh, as you know, listener, a legendary player, uh, manager, pundit, and also author uh, your book on days like these, which recently came out. It, was that a Matt Munro thing? Very much so, yeah. It was um, a contribution from my wife who had um, who'd listened to the song and um, watch the little video of it as well too. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, d- a driver at the beginning of the film, The Italian Job, Michael Caine's favourite lines. And, um, and yeah, Matt Monroe singing the song. It's just an absolutely gorgeous song. On days like these when skies are blue and fields are green. Our reviewer says, a sublime and superb book that is honest, insightful, funny and... Is it detail? I can't read your writing then, Martin. What's it? <laughs> but Duncan, Duncan. Uh, I've read it. You've read it. Your review, please. It's, mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's unique. I think the, the voice you have throughout it is, is very unusual. I think the, the account of your, of your playing days, particularly all the stuff with, with Brian Clough, is, it, it's sort of showed a side to Clough I don't think anyone's seen before. And mm. I think you're probably the, the best person to, to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, there were some other great bits. I mean, I love the fact that you, at one point, you say the players had a craze of playing the new, newly released game Connect Four. I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine a world where Connect Four had just been released. <laughs> it was true. That was. Right. And we're talking about the 1980 European Cup final, and uh, the game was in vogue at the time, and um, uh, and we all took a, a serious interest in it, even those who couldn't even count to four, <laughs> and um, it had been part of the routine for, for a couple of weeks. But then anyway, the European Cup final, we'd won the game. It was very, very late in Madrid. But, then, but Clough and Taylor insisted on the team coming back to the hotel, which is about, I think, probably about 25 miles outside Madrid at the time, so back into the hills of Madrid. Uh, so, uh, in other words, there was very little chance of us trying to celebrate with wives and girlfriends and things like this thought really strange this is the final game of the season come on we've just won the european cup we can do what you want <laughs> as long as we're in time for the flight the following morning that's all that matters but um no they insisted on going back so a few of us who thought swallowed a couple of bravery tablets and said <laughs> to the girls and wives and girls don't worry we'll be back in there again so we made the trip out to the hotel 
uh, we started to play the Connect Four with Blazers, still Blazers there, Blazered up. And uh, Peter Taylor and uh, Clough watched us. Then they go to bed. We know that Peter's a very early riser. So this is now probably close to three o'clock in the morning. But we thought, listen, we've made a promise to go into Madrid. We had already <coughs> ordered a couple of taxis. We were waiting in the shadows for us. And there was about seven or eight of us decided to head back into Madrid to enjoy the last couple of hours with, <coughs> with wives and girlfriends. Anyway, dawn coming up. We think Taylor's going to be up here early in the morning. So we travel back in the, in, the, um, in the taxis and we're still sitting down in the foyer playing Connect Four <laughs> when Taylor comes down for breakfast, <laughs> thinking that we had been there the whole time, you know. And he said, oh, gosh, lad, do you not bother going to sleep? No, no, we didn't, you know. <clears throat> Eventually, Clough and Taylor did find out that a group of us had gone in, by which time we couldn't have cared less whether they find us or not. And Clough, I think, says in one of his books that he did that he said he'd find us. He never did, you know, he didn't. And I think some of those lads who didn't go in got a wee bit of, uh, uh, a, a bit of stick from their wives and girlfriends, you know. So there was about seven of us. We called ourselves the Magnificent Seven, you know, <laughs> after that. But that was the story. And that was how Connect Four joined the whole conversation. All right, Joey, you're smiling politely, but you probably don't know what Connect Four is. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Yeah, it had Nathan Jones been in charge, he would have taken that <clears throat> Connect Four, taken it into the middle of the pitch and burnt it there, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, anyway, well, m- mm. much more uh, of that kind of thing on the way. Uh, but let's start with a little bit of uh, Champions League action. Uh, Wednesday, as you probably saw, Man City went to Leipzig and drew 1-1. That's one win in six games on the road now. In Milan, meanwhile, Lukaku Gold-Klaxon has interbeat 10-man Porto 1-0. On Tuesday, Napoli were 2-0 winners at Frankfurt, who also finished in 10. And Liverpool-Real Madrid, well, went like this. Into this cauldron-like atmosphere at Anfield. It's always special on nights like this when it's Liverpool against Real Madrid. Bacarar, Bacarar, llega el pico del área que le filtra por dentro. Gol, 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 Carry Benzema. Vinicius, oh, what a goal! Chetic, right in the middle of it all with Valverde. Uruguayan comes away with it, tries to slide one through here to Vinicius, and that's where Gomez needs it. Oh, Alisson's turn to make it! Mira, mira, para incomodar. Vamos, Adri, la pone abajo, gol. Toma, toma. ¿Quién ha sido? ¿Quién ha sido? Militao, Toma ya. Gol, 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 Militao. Coming in now, Danny Carvajal. Karim Benzema. Gets it back again. Benzema deflected it in. Oh, my words. Modric holding off by Cetic, bringing Vinicius Junior in. Here's Karim Benzema for another one. It's Benzema! It's 5-2 to Real Madrid! Quite the evening at Anfield. Quarter past eight on Tuesday night, Liverpool 2-0 up. Supporters were savouring what looked like it was going to be the best night of their season, but in the space of 
A very few minutes indeed turned out to be the worst in their history in European football. 5-2 defeat at home. Martin, you famously are fascinated by murders. What do you make of what Real Madrid <laughs> did to, to Liverpool? Well, it was astonishing, James, really, because 2-0 up at Anfield, there wouldn't be too many teams come away from that, you know, yeah, intact, never mind anything else. But Vinicius scores a great goal to make it 2-1, back in the game again. Obviously, the um, the equaliser was um, um, it could have been avoided. Let me put it that way, and um, and from a game that <clears throat> certainly in the first 15, 17, 18 minutes that Liverpool are dominating and two nil in front, they're going in at half time two each. So a bit of head scratching I could imagine in the home dressing room just at that stage, but not to panic. We can still get another goal <clears throat> within two minutes. They concede the free kick at the edge of the box, and. Um, Obviously not alert to uh, to the header coming in from Militao, I think it was, it scored the goal, mm. make it 3-2. And things dissolved after that, just really did. And it's really strange, amazing really for Liverpool. And I don't, I, I'm not even worried about the type of run that they've had this season. You know, Liverpool at Anfield, I don't care who they're playing, whether it's Real Madrid, Inter Milan or anything. They just disintegrated really did lost it lost it completely sometimes it can happen mm. it can, but you know that was um, for Liverpool to concede five goals at home in the Champions League is well um, almost unheard of in yeah. fact is unheard of I think. well indeed until, until this week Napoli had had a massive win against them earlier in the season <coughs> away so there had been a kind of equivalent collapse like this I guess in, in the Champions League but it was just the way that they'd started was so confident that opening backheel flick from from Darwin Nunes uh, and Real Madrid's composure to shake all that off and just breezily come back. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of sort of, uh, whether it's bad luck or howling errors, I mean, there were about two deflections, weren't there? And it all just seemed to to happen at once. I mean, I'm interested to ask you, Martin, that Real Madrid team, there's just something magic about it. You know, they always seem to, specifically with the Champions League, they often will come, you know, third in La Liga, but overcome teams that maybe are better on paper. What, why do you think that is? What is it about them? <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you because um, at the start of the competition last year, if you you would have long odds about Real Madrid going on to win it. You know, they they look they look just insufficient. They looked um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's no such thing as saying that um, that they're disinterested. But certainly, these moments that they have where they think is well, we'll pull through. And I'm quite sure the supporters think, yeah, I know we've got a history of pulling through, but we might not make it this time. And yet <clears throat> they got stronger and stronger and stronger and go on and take the competition. Now, even in the final, I mean, the goalkeepers had a magnificent game, absolutely magnificent. Um, but they found a way to win. Mm. And Real Madrid have actually, with the number of European Cups and Champions Leagues that they have, would suggest that they, that football club finds a way to win. And uh, does that have like a psychological impact on the opponent? You know, um, your Man City, they just fell apart. I, I don't I don't think it should do now. I don't think because well, Manchester City, perhaps because they, they don't they haven't they haven't won it yet. So from that viewpoint that um, I think you have to get over the line first. And then after once you've got over the line once, I think you can find, yeah, yeah, look, we can go and do this again. So we bit like Sir Alex Ferguson winning his first title. Once he's done that. Yeah. We'll go again. Now we've done it. Can park that to the side now. It's big relief. Done it. And and then go on. And then you go and dominate then for the next 20 years. Whatever the case. But you have to get over the line first. And I think that's that, that at the moment would suggest is a bit of a problem in Manchester City. 
problem. A problem may be too strong a word because, I mean, if VAR interfered for the, or uh, intervened in the time when they had, uh, was it against Tottenham Hotspur? Mm. Tottenham a couple of years ago? I, you know, too young, if you're too young... Yes. If you're too <laughs> young... 2019, <coughs> I don't remember that. John, sorry. If I was only 27. Young, if yeah. you're too young to remember or not know about Connect Four... Yeah. You'll certainly not, not remember that two years ago. Am I right, James? I think it, I think it, yeah, it was. It, yeah. Yeah. it was yeah, against yeah, Tottenham yeah. Hotspur, yeah. where Sterling, where they had already celebrated the goal, and then they're coming back and oh, it's, uh, and it. Mm. But anyway. but it shows, I guess, the how subtle and brittle a confidence for a team. I mean, that Liverpool team, as soon as they started to fall away on Tuesday night, they just looked broken. The fifth goal, Fabinho, didn't know what he was doing in midfield, got yeah. robbed, and then... Well, But yeah, but let, let's talk a little bit about 37-year-old Luka Modric. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Bundling, pa- bundling people yeah. out the way to cap a magnificent performance. Vinicius as well. well is, the, it, is it easy when you've got players <clears throat> like Vinicius? He's a really good player. Really good player. Mm. I think Ancelotti said something about uh, that he is up there with the very best at this minute. You'd have to... I would consider that true as well because he he can go past players and 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 he's got the pace and he's now got the confidence and uh, I mean his improvement in the last what 15 months has been fantastic. I would have thought that with those sort of players that Brazil should have gone on to have won the the World Cup. You know, really, yeah, wasn't might, to be. Might be others who share that opinion. Joey, I'm getting the sense that you feel maybe this result. The result was a, a bigger divide than the actual. That it, there was a certain amount of fortune involved in it being. I think five so. Two. It was one of those ones. You know, kind of as a Villa fan, probably one of one of the reasons I'm here chatting to Martin. The the, the seven two was one of those ones where against Liverpool, another time when Liverpool got badly beaten was just mm. every single deflection went in at once and I think that was slightly the case on, on Tuesday night there was, was it a lot of players falling over Joe as well Gomez Alisson kind mm. of bouncing mm. off the knee and going into the wrong corner it's just you know and I think that's reflected in the expected goals that, that, that Liverpool didn't deserve to lose five or in an ordinary game might have conceded three um, so I think there was an element of fortune in there Is there something beyond fortune that Klopp needs to worry about in terms of Liverpool's approach in terms of one or two of the individual performances I would hope not I, th- I think that um, uh, from his viewpoint, I think that he, he will look at the game. I, I heard his interview afterwards when he was talking actually about the positives from that there. And, that, and you know what? It's not a bad way to look at it and mm. think, you know, yeah, OK, listen, we did concede some goals. He went on to try and explain how the goals were, you know, listen, relatively simple in that sense. But I don't, is it, has it been a, has it been a, uh, a poorish time for Liverpool over the the course of the season, of course, by the sort of standards that they've been setting. Particularly, he has been setting in the last couple of seasons. Mm. Really remarkable, and you, I think you always feel that every the, the next week Liverpool are going to get it right. The following week they're going to get it right. And then they've got a little run. They go and win the uh, the Derby game against Everton, and then actual fight. And I think with um, I think with Van Dijk coming back into the side again, I think that. There would have been a good deal of confidence about that game going into the the Real Madrid game. Yeah. Really good deal of confidence beforehand. Crowd up for the game, and certainly, I'm telling you, you you two uh, nil up, two nil. You're thinking if we get a third goal here, we we can run riot in the match, and the game changes in the last 70 minutes of the match. It's remarkable. Our friend Michael Cox had a good line actually. He said that when Liverpool two nil up, they played more like they were two nil down, and when they were five two down, they played like they were five two up. They didn't. Nearly all Liverpool shots came in the first half. It was almost like they were too scared in the second half to even have a go anymore. And I think that's the it's the psychological <coughs> flaw at the I, moment. I, I wonder about that. I, I, you know, 
you're tuning it up in the game, you're thinking the third goal is going to come, mm. then it goes against you. And from a game that you're dominating, it's only 2-1. And psychologically, it has an effect on you. Just a, you know, instead dangerous of lead. It's a dangerous <coughs> lead. When, well, when did Liverpool last ship five at Anfield? Are we yeah. missing something obvious? Uh, they drew 5-5 with Arsenal in the League Cup. Oh, yeah. That was quite recent. Wasn't yeah, three, but I mean, that's the first time they've ever let in five at home in a European game. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. Uh, Ancelotti, well, Liverpool, a three-goal lead halfway through. There are precedents. Do you <laughs> see... Do you see uh, Liverpool coming back from this? It's a long way back. It and, is a and, long and, way. Yeah, and I know you're talking about the uh, European Cup final a few mm. years ago when the words at Milan were three 0 in front. I think it's a long way back for for Liverpool. Are they capable of scoring a goal there? Absolutely, but long way back. Uh, good. Yeah. Well, let's see. So. Uh, Anything else? So, Martin, you're very much of the opinion that this was an episode and that there is there isn't a need for necessarily Klopp to worry too much about the season based on this. Right. Okay. Listen, where I felt that they they, they probably needed um, a wee bit of strength in the middle of the field. I thought that from the from the outset that you need a lot of creativity in there and. Um, and I thought that that would be in a position that they would have tried to have strengthened it, mm. really did. And when that didn't materialise and then you're going back, you know, well, James Milner, James has been a great player, but James is, you know, what, 30, 37, 36, 37 years of age. Jordan Henderson has been a really good player for them as well too. But what I'm saying is that you just need that uh, uh, creativity in there, somebody who's going to take the game with the scruff of the neck and and uh, and just d- and deal with it. And I just don't mean in terms of getting on the ball and sending little passes here. Maybe a, a driving midfield player is going to score you some goals as well too. Or, uh, you know, a, a Casemiro type perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, some something anyway. And maybe something just to freshen things up. Now you've got a lot of forward players who at Liverpool at this minute who have d- definitely ability and can, and can do and can do things, but. I just felt if if I miss out the midfield here, amazingly, and I thought this at the time, and I think it's come to fruition, Manny has been a major miss to them, really major miss. First of all, he hardly missed a game when he was... Secondly, he would do the defensive work for you, and three, he could get forward and he, and he could make goals and he could score goals. And Salah had, had, uh, had such a season that you would have thought, well, he's just a machine. He's just going to keep going. It's not going to happen. And when you drop off a little bit, then you then you find that you have a little bit of a problem. A problem in the sense that where Liverpool want to be every single season, want to be challenging Manchester City, want to be in the European Cup final. But overall, for what Klopp has done for the football club, uh, I don't think that you... Uh, it just park the season to the side. Really? Yeah. This one? Uh, yeah, because yeah. it looks like the Champions League's gone. In terms of the league, they currently lie eighth, seven points off the top four, but with two games in hand on the side currently occupying that position. Spurs, next up for Liverpool, is a trip to Crystal Palace. Have they played significant games there before? Certainly doesn't appear to have been <laughs> anything that's entered into folklore or anything. <laughs> Chris haven't Campbell? they like won every one since or something? So it's Well, yeah. that's true. Crystal Palace has yeah. lost 11 of their last 12 to Liverpool. But even, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, Liverpool went to Palace and, and scored seven, and it looked oh, so yeah. top of the league, defending champions, <clears> looked <throat> like it was all going swimmingly, and then went on that bizarre six home defeats in a in a row. So there is a brittleness to this team that 
isn't just this season has been seen before. Mm. So. But I, I think they can still make fourth. Hmm. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't disagree with that either. I think that if the um, if they do get knocked out of the Champions League, which is looking likely this minute, then total concentration in those games coming through between then and the end of the season. And regardless of what I said about where I I feel that um, that they probably need a bit of creativity, I'm talking about for perhaps for the whole season. But when you've just got a bunch of games, what 12, 13, 14 games left, you can still get you can still get back that resolve in the side. You can still be hard to beat, and you should have enough firepower up front to to win the, to win the matches. Right. So I wouldn't. I genuinely wouldn't disagree with you. Next up, let's uh, catch up with what Man City got up to midweek in the Champions League and one or two other things too. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. The Guardiola Derby. <laughs> Leap Guardiola versus Pep Guardiola. Very nice. Mm. Very nice. This was uh, RB Leipzig taking on Man City in a 1-1 draw. Pep's reaction to questions after the game was that 1-1 away from home with key players out was against this RB Leipzig team was not a bad result. What do you think, Duncan? Um, I think if you watch the first half, a, a draw is a bad result. City were completely on top. Uh, they had 74% possession before half-time and controlled the game completely. 49% after half-time as Leipzig sort of, you know, attacked their right, uh, City's right-hand side and, and got a lot of joy. So I think in the end, yeah, draw is probably okay. I mean, the the surprise was that Guardiola didn't make a substitution. Mm. Didn't even send Lord Panic out to warm up. No. Martin, what... what have you? Uh, what's the logic behind not using substitutions when the game's not going your way? Well, perhaps maybe the manager didn't feel that it wasn't going his way. Mm. No, for a start, I, I, I think that sometimes that um, the last couple of seasons substitutions have become really important. In 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 my time as a player in the league games, we only had the one substitution. So a lot of times Brian Clough used to say we were sitting down and sometimes I, I was actually sitting beside him <laughs> as number 12. 
And, and uh, when interviewed afterwards, he said, sometimes the best thing to do is to do nothing at all. But now when you have the number of substitutions, you can, you can uh, change the course of games. So I don't know what was in the manager's thinking last night. But there are times when you, I think you feel, yeah, hold on, we, we can see this through. I do actually think that a, um, a, a result away from home, not getting beaten um, in the game, still a good result. It is Champions League football, you know, mm. and where Leipzig might not have been as strong as they were a couple of seasons ago, um, there's, you know, there's still a handful. Yeah, they beat Real Madrid there this uh, this season. I've beaten yeah. Man City a few few seasons, well, a couple of years back. Yeah, uh, Man City's a waveform though. Is that is that something that Pep should be worried about? That's one win in six now. The draws against well, Forest at the weekend. Uh, the draw. I, I saw I saw that game live. You did right. Uh, they they should have won by about five. Okay. Yeah. They had some some amazing misses, you know, and one from Haaland that you would never have expected, right. you know, coming at really. So they should have won that game. Nottingham Forest okay. had only a, a few attacks during the course of the before game. Before that, they beat Villa. Before that, they lost at Spurs. Before that, they lost at United. Before that, they lost at Southampton. Isn't there a string of games now where the opponents have had one shot on target and scored from it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's goalkeeping or if that's just the sort of psychology of the, the, the team wanting to score so badly that they just take the chance. I mean, it's quite an odd record. Yeah, I mean, they've had it before when Claudio Bravo was there. Um, he had, a, I think he conceded 22 out of 40 shots on target at one point. So obviously Edison's a much better goalkeeper, but I think it's fair to say this isn't, isn't his best season at, at City. But I mean, last night, uh, Rodri had four shots. Haaland had one. Mm. Now that you want to reverse that ratio, mm. I, would, I would imagine. Right. Uh, the Erling Haaland question is one that is... Vexing many fine footballing minds is yours one of them, Martin. How a, a player who can score such record-breaking quantities of goals with a manager who's so good at taking players, improving players, mm. and is tactically flexible. How that marriage is it working for you? How could it work better? Is, is it working? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. I mean, he 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 is human. Believe it or not, he can miss one or two chances. And right. And so, what do you mean, James? What do, what do so you? What, right. The question is, which I will put on behalf of, of people who ask it, and there's a lot of us okay. who will see a game like last night with it. Well, Haaland only got one chance. That's got to, as, as you say, you know, why, why is Rodriguez getting the chances? The team need to find Hall and better. They're not working towards him. Mm -hmm. And does his presence in the side somehow? take away something of what made Man City so irresistible in previous seasons because he is more of a, a fixed focal point up front. But then he'll have a game where he'll score three and everyone goes, wow, they're unstoppable now with Holland." Yeah. Well, I think his goals w would suggest that he, he's making a, a major contribution to Manchester City this season. Right. Where I, I, Manchester City, before that, did not have a tallish centre-forward. They've learned, play, but what and, and their modus operandi, I felt, was... Having having a little bit of width in the team, having players coming inside, playing little one twos against a very flat back four opposition. Suddenly they're in and around the back of them, whipping balls right across the box. You didn't need a six foot two centre forward because the balls are coming across the box so low, mm. and people like Sterling were scoring goals coming in at the back, scoring goals. So simple yet difficult to execute. You know, you'd think that this is this is a plan. So. Uh, making 2v1s, 3v2s, situations like that. There. But I felt that Haaland was going to make a big difference to them this season because he could, he, he, could, he could go over the top. 
if that was the case, if they decided to want to go a little bit longer. And I still think he, could, he can join in and, and, and make things happen. His goal, his, his goal tally, it's, it's incredible, really, when you think about it. So this idea that, oh, he's only had one shot, Sorry, well, if you if you are scoring one out of three, I think well, I think you'd be pretty pleased with that, you know. So I'm no, I'm not buying this. I think Manchester City. I personally, they, we've been used to a style of play in the right. last number of years. Would, I just would, sorry, no, would, no, no, you you you'd go, But I just wanted to ask really quickly: Would this Manchester City beat last season's Manchester City? I think when everybody's, uh, yeah, 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 they would. Yeah. This is a better team than last year. Uh, with Haaland in the side, mm-hmm. I, th- I, I think they're a, they're a better all-round team. Okay. If if if, and that's that's difficult to improve in the on oh, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking back. Obviously, you had uh, Keith Scott at Wickham. You had Emil Heskey at Leicester. I mean, mm-hmm. if you could have dropped Haaland into those teams, do you reckon he'd have done all right? <laughs> just just about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think people are. Is it because the way Manchester City have played for the last number of years, mm. and suddenly now that they have got a um, a sizable centre forward, I think people are thinking they're changing their style. I, I don't, I, you know, De Bruyne is still he's still a wonderful footballer, and when he sees sometimes when the ball is uh, knocked back to him from he's just delivering immediately. So Haaland's reading those situations and thinking I'm going to get in here because De Bruyne is going to play it very very quickly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? When it's played back to De Bruyne, let's say he's in an inside right position, it's coming in. It's going to be coming in. He's going to whiz it in there. And I think that, yeah, I, I don't... Maybe their style might have changed a little bit to accommodate Haaland, certainly early on. He didn't score for 10 minutes in one of the games, didn't he? So, <laughs> well, Kevin De Bruyne yeah, was missing for that he trip, was. but uh, hopefully he'll be back for the return, which will be, I guess, in two weeks' time. Meanwhile, City, with that record of just one win in six on the road, are on their travels again this weekend. Shall we there at Bournemouth? Bournemouth, Man City. Bournemouth, who are out of the bottom three after a big win at Wolves last time out. Ooh, Bournemouth, who have also lost 12 games in a row against Man City. Ooh. There's now no newly promoted teams in the bottom three, which is exciting. I think it's... That is exciting. Is it West Ham, Leeds and Southampton? So mm. someone big is going to go down or someone established. Yeah, all right. Man City, of course, uh, two points behind Arsenal in the title race right now. Man City will be taking on Bournemouth uh, tea time on Saturday. And just before that, Arsenal are away to Leicester, uh, with whom they've won four of their last... Well, they've won all four of their last four league meetings. There you go. That's good. Do you have, do you have good memories of that fixture, Leicester against Arsenal? Yeah, I have. I youth Again, I keep thinking how young you are. <laughs> so I... I Leicester so you won the other day. We... Um, <laughs> We drew 3-3 at Filbert Street in a really big game. It's just a, a hat-trick that was mm. by, um, Dennis by Dennis Burkham. And everybody thinks that they, they must have run riot on us. We actually drew the game because I think there were four goals, I think, scored in the last uh, in the last four minutes of the game. Was that one of the goal of the month? Yeah, I think all yeah. three of Burkham's yeah. goals were in goal of the month. I wouldn't um, it, it, Which I think has coloured people's memories of that game. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was a act- very competitive we, match. We actually drew the game 3-3. I actually believe that um, Terry Henry's first game was against uh, Leicester City, mm. opening day of the season. And he came on as a sub with about 20 minutes to go. And they, Arsenal must have they cut us apart about five times. Terry, on, Terry Henry is through about four or five times. I might slight exaggeration in the last 15 minutes of the game, but he missed every one of them as well too. Ah. 
and you thought, well, it's useless. This boy's not any good. <laughs> this boy's not any good. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Arsenal are going to hang on this year? <clears throat> well, interesting, James, because I felt that um, there were a couple of big moments. I know the two games. I'm talking about um, about Arsenal at Villa Park mm. and Manchester City at um, at Forest. Uh, Forest. And I know they weren't contemporaneous in that sense, but you felt that about them. You felt that they're sort of that Aston Villa are leading 2-1 in a game. Manchester City are going into the dressing room knowing, listen, this is fantastic. And if I'm the Manchester City manager, I'm Guardiola, I'll still take the draw. I'll take two points drop from Man City. And Aston Villa leading 2-1. So that must have been, a, whatever you say about it, just a blow to them that, that Arsenal think, fight back, win the game. Mm. And then, so, OK, fine, we can't do anything about that. Let's deal with our own game. We, we should have been out of sight. Out of sight, um, Nottingham Forest make a substitution, bring on the centre forward about 10 or 12 minutes to go. And the first time that they really, in, they actually invade Manchester City's penalty area where they've got four or five players in the box, it comes whipping across, they stick the ball in the net. So from a game, you know, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a change in a couple of hours, which is amazing. Manchester th- thinking that, that Aston Villa can get something from that game and we can win. We should win, don't win, drop our points ourselves, and then uh, Arsenal win. So it was a, coming from Wednesday night, you know, when, yeah. when, when Arsenal had been beaten by Manchester City, that to turn it back round again in their favour was really big. Yeah, although we could just as easily see it turned around again of uh, course. This, this weekend. Of course. Mm. All right, well, we look forward to finding out. Uh, meantime, also in action midweek were Inter... At home to Porto and Eintracht Frankfurt and Napoli. We'll talk about them and they get onto the League Cup final next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Napoli 2 0 winners at Frankfurt. Not their biggest win of the season. They had that 5 1 over Juve. Ooh, that 6 1 at Ajax. That was pretty impressive. But this, in many ways, was even more worthy of a claim because uh, Frankfurt were a team who kind of knew how. Napoli wanted to come and play and, 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 and didn't let them. No space conceded whatsoever. But uh, once again, we saw Kvaraskelia proving uh, unstoppable. That, that back heel assist for the, the second goal for Di Lorenzo. He's a really good footballer, isn't he? Mm. Really good. <clears throat> I saw I was doing a little bit of uh, flicking from station to station at the time. But uh, Napoli missed a penalty. Yeah, he did. Uh, they'd score. And then uh, Frankfurt had the uh, had the player sent off as well yeah. too. So, you know, 
I, I think, and and obviously um, Napoli scored the second goal, so it's um, it's a great win. They're a very fine side, aren't they? Absolutely. Mm. Really Do you think good. there's a sort of parallel between them and the Forest team you played in, in the sense that you know they're they're going to win the league for the first time in a long, long time? They they could win the Champions League as well. They but everything's kind of going for them, and it's like it almost feels like this is their time and. You know, I think everyone hopes that they do do it because obviously some of their players will no doubt get snapped up in the summer, and it, I think they are the sort of romantics' choice. At the oh, they are, and there's no question about that. And I think probably because Napoli's history with Maradona and things like you see, I think all of that there has a great boost. Now, I imagine probably out uh, outside Milan, uh, everybody everybody in Italy would be wanting them to win. James, you would know better than I'm me. Not, I don't not sure Roma fans. Are well, well, yeah, that's the thing. thing. There will be plenty of. Uh, Plenty of support, rival rival groups of supporters. Yeah, yeah. Roma. I think Juventus Roma. fans hate. You know, there's Wait, a big rivalry there. And they, I mean, sort of yeah, but would they want fans. an Italian side to win the Euro- the European title because it's been would a, a while? Londoner want Liverpool to beat AC Milan in the? Ch- I, I don't know. So are Somewhere. you telling? Are you saying to me that Juventus fans would uh, would prefer, let's say, a Milan side uh, to to win? Oh the, no, no, to, no, 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 no. I mean, so but I don't think gonna, that's even on the table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but no, it's a, it's an interesting question. Would they like an Italian side to side win, to even if it was <clears> Napoli, <throat> who, with whom they don't share much uh, affinity, generally speaking? I, to be honest, I'd hate to speak on behalf of the Italian yeah. population. Okay. Um, if it was Roma and Lazio, I imagine that that Roma would like, uh, you know, would like the opposition always to be. Yes. But in that case, I, as you say, Napoli is such a romantic, mm-hmm. so, and they play such lovely football. They're brilliant. Mm. I think all their players really fantastic. I think all their players are going to end up going to mid-table Premier League teams. I don't know. <laughs> they could be able to pay them they've, more, right? They've hung on uh, before. I mean, there've been clubs coming in. Mm-hmm. All right, we saw. Um, Zaniolo Koulibaly would, heading off. Yeah. No, but from Napoli, we saw Koulibaly sold off. Uh, at the right time, probably, uh, after hanging on to him, to him for a bit. Aussie men, they managed to hang on to. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Kfarish they got for buttons, so yeah. there's a massive profit to be I mean, all there. their players, you know, none of them, apart That's from Aussie yeah. were big transfer fees. Yeah, very true. Anyway, well, uh, so 2-0 up from the away leg there. Inter, meanwhile, beating Porto 1-0 at San Siro. The goal, four minutes from time from Romelu Lukaku, who prior to this weekend had... about him. Yeah, exactly. He hadn't scored a goal in 187 days before the weekend, but he's now got two in four, so make of that what you will. The one on the weekend, though, was a penalty, which he failed to convert the first time round, and then somebody had encroached. And then. Anyway, bless. Let's get on to the League Cup final. So, it's the biggest game that the club have faced in decades. <laughs> But just days before the fixture... Alisson wants to get Salah going. Nick Pope is a long way out. And he had to improvise and he got a hold of it. And he's in trouble here. Nick Pope is off. And with Pope's deputy out, having played four Sunday's opponents in this cup, that means Newcastle are left with the man who last time he was in a final... There's a shot, oh, he's dropped it! It's Gareth Bale again, and it's a howler from Karius! No one's gonna fight in a ten-bomber revolution Have faith in what you got and it will carry your soul Carry your soul There you go. 
Loris Karius, it seems like, will be in action, probably against the league's most informed striker, Marcus Rashford. A chance to rewrite the story of his career. Martin, what do you make of this? What, what as a manager, is the, is the challenge that faces uh, Eddie Howe as he, as he inserts Loris Karius, of all people, into the biggest game that Newcastle have had in? Well, he has known now since Pope was sent off what, mm. uh, what, um, what, what's going to happen. He's going to put him in there, and I think all week he'll just be bolstering his confidence. How? Send him. How? Mm. Well, just uh, a relatively simple. Son, please keep the ball out of the net. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, okay, yes. How will he bolster his confidence? You'd be telling him, listen, that, you know, what, what, uh, what happened in the past is gone. You're still a, you're a professional goalkeeper. You're sound. You're fine. Uh, we will uh, we will try and get um, even a back pass early on in the game to mm. deal with it to get it you know get um, get something out of your system. Don't worry too much about it. It's uh, it's at Wembley. Listen, all the things that you might want to say to the goalkeeper, you might never actually get through to him. He might still have he might st- still have demons to worry about. But overall, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a, the, the whole week will be really bolstering him, you right. know, telling him he's absolutely fine. Okay, you can't. I don't think you can do anything else other than that. No, absolutely. Would you think it was a mistake for Eddie Howe knowing that um, Depravka was cup tied? He could have rested Pope against Liverpool because it it was a risk. Uh, n- no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. Uh, first of all, you're th- uh, Newcastle. They're talking about uh, getting into the top four. So no, the league game is so so important. You have to try and get something against Liverpool in that match to keep yourself going. So not at all. I, I wouldn't have. I, I'm. I, I'm sure that in terms of circumstances, he would never have thought that Pope would ever have, uh, unless he'd picked up an injury or something. I guess mm. here he's going to be. He's going to be available the following week to play in the in the cup final. He's been fantastic as well too. But o- overall, no, it w- that would never have entered his head. Mm. Even with Pope, would Man United be heavy favourites for this game, do you think? With yeah, the form I they're think, in? I think, you th- particularly the form, as you said, Marcus Rashford is at the moment. I mean, it's quite a nice final in that both teams really, really want to win it, which sounds like an obvious point. But I think Man City have won five out of the last seven and they sort of, you know, it's, it's always nice to have another one, but you don't think they're that bothered. Whereas right. Man United haven't won a trophy since is it 2017, which for them is a long time. Newcastle right. not since... The 50s for a domestic cup. Right. Well, a a time-travelling Duncan Alexander Mm. went back to revisit the 1955 FA Cup final. Yes. What what strange strange similarities did you find? Well, it's funny because obviously it's in black and white and it does look a bit grainy. Newcastle always. Yeah, very good. Mm. Um, They played Man City. They won 3-1. Jackie Milburn scored after 45 seconds, which Mm. was the fastest goal in a cup final. War Jackie. What Mm. is he good for? Yeah, exactly. But I think... A couple of things stood out. Um, City's fullback Jimmy Meadows did his cruciate knee ligament, or what it looked like, uh, after about 20 minutes. Not only did he have to go off the pitch and no subs in those days, but he never played football ever again. Wow. Which I think is the you know, harsh reality of, of football in the 50s. But actually what stood out was just how tactically adept both teams were. Obviously it was a couple of years after England had lost to Hungary at Wembley. Um, City actually had Don Revy playing nine, as a, yeah. a withdrawn forward, like a false nine, and he was. I I, I only knew Don Revy as the Leeds manager in the seventies, you know, from seeing his conversations with with Brian Clough. Um, but he was brilliant. He was his passing range was tremendous, and it was actually I, the more I watched it, and I had to rewatch quite a lot of bits for the for the article. But I got more and more into the game, and you know, there wasn't that much different. I mean, the the biggest difference is obviously fitness levels. That both teams tailed off massively in the second half, and there wasn't. There wasn't much pressing, 
But in terms of skill and, and tactical awareness, I think it was it was really good. This is 1955. Yeah, mm. yeah, I know. So. You're telling me, um, so there was a player injured in the game. So does that mean they were down to 10 men yeah. the whole yeah. time? You know? C- so I think City it. would have yeah. won that game. Yeah. They won the cup the following year. The, the he mm. should have played on like Bert Troutman did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the following year, Bert Troutman did do the end of the yes. game with a broken neck, which yeah. is hard to run off at the best of times. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, this poor guy, Jimmy Maddis, he, he basically made his England debut the previous month. Mm-hmm. And he looked no. like he had his career ahead of him. And... Yeah. And then fast forward a couple of years, and I know I'm I'm digressing here, but um, 1959, Nottingham Forest, Dwight gets injured. Who is um, who is uh, Elton John's uncle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Reggie Dwight's uncle. Yeah. Oh, he was the the, the player who played for Nottingham Forest got injured in the game. Huh. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. No, I, I'm too young. You are James, right? Yeah. I hope I've got that right. No, you're right. I, you're totally right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, just. Bit of an offshoot, but Elton John, a massive football fan, not mm. to the just liking football and being mm. the Watford owner, but like mm. he he says in his book that if he hadn't been a singer, he'd have probably been like a football statistician because he's he's that obsessed with the minutia. You made that up, Duncan Alexander. Nope. No, me and Elton true. John no. are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> it would only take a nudge to push him over to the dark <laughs> side. Yeah, McCollum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think you also Manchester United are playing tonight as well too. Mm. Uh, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so you know they could, might pick up an injury or very two very true at least Newcastle have had the whole week to think about it you know they've, yeah. they've uh, and uh, so there's a, and a tough enough game against Barcelona this evening as well yeah, too. Absolutely. so they will have to go quite strong again that's a very good point you make Martin uh, the 1955 FA Cup win was that their last trophy domestically domestically they won the Fairs Cup mm. in the 70s 69 but, um, All right. oh, yeah, 69, 69 yeah but um but that, that that was their third FA Cup in four five yeah, years, yeah, and that's right. That's the thing with being a football fan. Um, I mean, in fact, Martin, you say in your book actually, you said um, Nottingham Forest will have new heroes to cheer until they too become expendable. That's the game, and that's life. I th- which I thought was a really Ooh. nice line. But also, football fans too real. football fans never know when the success is going to stop. No, you know, like you go to Sheffield United fan in eighteen ninety nine when they just won the league, yeah. they'd be like, ah, we'll probably win three of the next ten. Mm-hmm. They've never won it since. Yes, so you it never is. know when it's going to stop. And the uh, same in Newcastle. So. Yeah. And or uh, when it'll uh, start, I guess. Well, yeah. Inversely. Inversely. What about Eric Ten Hag's job at, at Manchester United? After a shaky start this season, what, what do you make of him now? I think he's done terrifically well. Really well. Obviously, he had the big, uh, big decisions over over um, Ronaldo at the mm. time, and um, and of course that can go can go in the other direction. You know, you can lose games, and people then will say, "Well, well Ronaldo should still be staying at the football club." The renaissance now of uh, of Rashford, um, <laughs> fantastic, and whatever you say, the manager's got to take some credit for that. You know, he's got him going. Uh, Eighteen months ago, you you know. If Rashford was going to leave the football club, there, nobody would have batted an eyelid. Now suddenly you want to keep him at the club, and I'm sure, I'm sure that they will. Well, hopefully they will do it. But in terms of his job, in terms of getting players on side and getting... And I think there's from a distance, and I, 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 I could easily be shot down in this, but you feel as if there's a bit of discipline about it, you know, now that you know, that's, it's less lax, you know, there, there's, there's, something, there's something about it. Do you feel that now? You know, that, that you're not going to get away with much, you know? And I know he had the, he, Rashford got, was late for training and he left him out, but he brings him in again, that type of stuff. But, yeah, but overall, I think there's, there's something about that. And I think that whatever you say, 
players still need a manager. They still yeah. need a strong manager for all this and saying, oh, we can deal with this, we can do that. I honestly think that but they do need a strong manager. So far, it's gone brilliantly for them. You make that very point in your book about when you joined Wickham. You said that you, the first game, there were more club officials on the bus than players and everyone was having a nice time, weren't they? Going? It was really funny because I, I had... Um, I. I'd done a, uh, a training session with them on the Thursday night and we were to meet up. Wickham, my first game was going to be against Merthyr Tydfil. So <laughs> we were going to meet up at this... What, what this division was that in? Was it? it was the Vauxhall Conference. It was right. just one league below the, the football yeah, league. Yeah, fifth tier. Yeah, fifth tier. Mm. Absolutely. So, and, um, so I said that I would meet them because I was in Nottingham at the time, but I would meet them around about 12 o'clock for some, some tea at the service station just before you cross the bridge from around Bristol or whatever direction it is. So I'm in the big car park and I watch the bus coming in. Then I watch the people coming off it. And then there's one official, then there's two, then there's 20 officials <laughs> coming off the bus, all with blazers. And I think there must be another bus for the players, you know. But no, no, the players are st still waiting to come off. So, so there were actually more officials, seemingly, than there were players. And there was a young, young lady stepping off the bus as well, too. And I thought, well, wonder what her job was. And I asked her, and she said, well, I, I, sell, um, I sell lottery tickets. Mm. And I said, what, on the bus? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who to? I said, you know, to the players. So I thought to myself, well, there's, I think we need a wee bit more discipline around mm. here at the football club. Anyway. But the players responded, and that's the most important thing. And for um, at Manchester United, the players have certainly responded to they, the uh, they big set. ten. Yeah. All right. Well, a huge game coming up then for Ten Hag and Eddie Howe on Sunday, four thirty, the League Cup final. Uh, speaking of Wickham and managers, and mm. our final part today, let's get on to the situation for the chair boys and other top. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Martin O'Neill related questions. This is the Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. We can wave goodbye to Football League's longest-serving manager this week. Gareth Ainsworth, yeah. gone, Duncan. Gone. How were you when that when you heard the news? You saw the picture of the corner flag on social media. What what did what did you think? Well, I knew, knew it was going to happen. Did you? Um, don't begrudge it at all. I think you know, ten years at one club is mm. is unusual. He's obviously done a an amazing job. Will always be the second best wicket manager for me. I think. Um, 
but yeah, I think I just hope QPR give him and Richard Dobson the the time to mm. sort it out because I think they they really can. Right. Um, but obviously that club they're going from a very stable club to uh, perhaps a less stable club. So we'll see see how they get on. But they're you know they've they've done a fantastic job at Wickham. So. Might and a lot of people asking if you were contacted by the chair boys. No, right? Yeah. Would would you've been interested? And uh, no. You, do you do you not regard management as something you want to do again? Do, you, I, I would I would certainly uh, consider it, but mm. I've you know I've had my I've had my time at right. Wickham. I loved it. I right. loved. I absolutely adored my time there at the football club. But no, that would be to that okay. would be coming back to uh, to doing something at this right. minute. I agree with Duncan. I thought the uh, the young manager's done brilliantly over the last ten years, and uh, and he'll be badly missed. Mm. But you you took the back to back promotions, no, from the days mm. of Merthyr Tidville to to coming so very close to the top flight, no. Had it not been for well, the fact that. I totally understand what Martin's saying there about not wanting to go back, but I think the one bit of unfinished business was mm. your last season. Wickham finished six, which mm. normally would have been a playoff spot, yeah. but because they were reducing the size of the Premier League, there were fewer, fewer spots. So that's right. Only one team went up, and that was Birmingham City. So we were, you know, we were in against those sides. So we'd gone from Vauxhall Conference uh, next season, which was the old Fourth Division, as it were. We beat Preston in the playoff with David Moyes and David team. Moyes in the team. Gareth Ainsworth also, yeah, yeah, in as a player. And uh, and the following year we finished sixth, and in normal circumstances we would have been in the playoff. And who knows? You know. A lot of people writing in with questions for you, Martin. Uh, here's one from Fergus L. I like this one. He says, "Could you do a sliding doors, as, as we like to call it, a flip reverse, a sliding doors for his Celtic side beating Mourinho's Porto in the 2003 UEFA Cup final? What would football have been? What would the world have been had you guys won that final in extra time and not?" Special Jose. That, that's, that's a very, very good point. Mm. Um, we had, um, uh, I mean, we could and should have won the final as well. They had a, a, a very fine side, as proved was uh, by, um, by winning the Champions League almost with the same team the following mm. year. And um, so we're into extra time in the game. Uh, uh, and I'm hoping that we can win it in extra time because I probably don't really fancy the penalties. You know, it's a bit of a lottery. And then we have a man sent off, and then you think, well, in that wilting heat, and and it was in Seville as well, to him, really warm. And I thought, well, maybe we should take a chance with penalties. As it turns out, a minute or two later, they score the goal and win 3-2. So, as you say, sliding doors moment. They go on to win the Champions League the next year. Got a little bit of luck at Old Trafford when uh, Paul Scholes had a goal that was disallowed, I think, mm. for offside when he's onside, or whatever it was. There's something... That moment where Mourinho's sliding down the down the down the pitch in the side, and he's gone on to prove himself a fantastic manager. No question about it. But you know, for us, with seventy five thousand Celtic fans descending upon Seville for the game, and uh, most of them not able to get in, but yeah. being in the outside, a lot of Celtic fans say it was one of their great great moments of their lives. But you know, we lost the game, and that's what it's about. You yeah. have to win. But you've done so much in your career. We we often hear the phrase from uh, football managers and players, it hasn't sunk in yet. Mm. Were there moments when it did sink in that, that you kind of knew this is what it's all about? I think I think the European Cup final was uh, the second one for me with the, uh, uh, in Madrid against uh, Hamburg, Kevin Keegan playing for Hamburg. I didn't play in the final the previous year. I picked up an injury about three weeks beforehand. Whether I would have played or not, I don't know, because Trevor Francis was eligible to play. Strange sort of rules in those days anyway. 
only eligible to ever to play in the final, which was Trevor's first game, million, a million pounds player, and he was a brilliant footballer. So, and if I'm manager, Trevor's going to be in the side, mm. you know, one way or the other. But myself and Archie Gemmell had picked up injuries. Two of us declared ourselves fit, and we were on the bench, and we uh, and we didn't get on. And you don't feel part of it, Jim. You really do not feel part of it, even though you've been involved in two epic semi-finals against Cologne. Right. Fantastic matches, but probably the most atmospheric game I've ever played at the City Ground when we drew three-three with him. That's gone. That was the previous month. And as far as you're concerned, if you're not in that final and don't get on the field, mm. you don't. You're not part of it. Right. So, so Archie Gemmell leaves the next year and doesn't. At least I get back the next year. So playing, when that final whistle goes and you're holding that very, very heavy trophy aloft, which was held by Puskas, De Stefano, George Best, Bobby Charlton, the Celtic players of 67, that's a big moment. That's what it's all about, really. And, um, and to win that at club level, when you set out in the game, you don't, you don't set out to earn or to have three houses by the time you finish. If you're lucky, you're... And in our days, you would be very lucky to have that. But to win, winning was what it was about. Do you feel that you've won one or two European titles? And I'm asking this for Cannavaro and Vieira, who've written in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Very Well, it's interesting because I, um, I believe that Brian Clough said um, sometime later that had the final been the following morning after our famous victory in Cologne, where mm. we had to reverse the 3-3 and win in Cologne, he said he would have gone with the same team again, you know, the team that night. So from that viewpoint, yeah, I do have my medal. Right. So, okay, I didn't feel part of it on that that night, but I do have the medal. And uh, and um, for the games... That, and then I... Sorry, my my only little piece of boasting to you. Right. I did score a goal against Grasshoppers Zurich in the quarterfinal in in um, in Switzerland that became a very important goal because they were swarming all over us. Right. And uh, a minute or two before half time, I follow I follow a pass where John Robertson made a pass and then I think it's Tony Woodcup pulled the ball back and I bundle it in at the back post to score the goal. Really important. It takes the life out of Grasshopper Zurich. So from that moment, yes, I, yeah. I, I, I feel as oh, if I deserved it. 100%. <laughs> uh, Joey, did you have a question? Yeah, so so I was, you know, in my lifetime supporting Villa, which is dates just after the two Euro, uh, League Cup wins of the 90s. So I don't remember them. So in the last 25 years, certainly the best team I've seen was, was your one, was finishing sixth, 2008, 2009, 2010. I mean, how, how good do you think that team was? I mean, came in touching distance to the Champions League. Twice, think, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lost two, on the last day against Manchester United. Two, two consecusive years. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think the side had... Um, we Each season we were improving. We were improving in terms of points ratio. We hadn't improved our position. We were still sixth. But we were so close in two, two consecutive years. I think it was Manchester City beat us. I know they didn't get there. I think Tottenham t- took the fourth place. But Manchester City beat us in the second last game of the season. Had we won that game, I think we, would have, we might just have, might just have yeah. clinched it. That would have been lovely. And then you get the revenue for the Champions League and then maybe the, next, the last ten years look very different. And the likes, of, the likes of James Milner might have stayed at the football club. I love. There's a really good stat from that era, which was uh, that Ashley Young assisted John Carew more in the Premier League than Bergkamp assisted Henri. So um, is wow. that right? Yeah, mm. that's still that. there. That Villa. Yeah. Like, you were working under Randy Lerner, mm-hmm. um, a rich American 
a lot of pressures, certain amount of money spent. D- to what extent do you feel for Graham Potter, one of your former charges, Duncan tells me, at, at Wickham Wanderers? I well, we'll go we'll go with the second point first. Right. Uh, Graham Potter, I had Graham on loan ah. for uh, for a period of about a month. Wasn't his first game a five-two defeat? Which was quite apt <coughs> his, uh, this week. His which, first game was um, was a defeat against um, against Coventry City. I think right. that was his opening game against Coventry. We are we are just we are in the fourth division, the mm. old fourth division. Coventry in the Premier League, and uh, and it was a two-legged quarter. Sorry, two-legged uh, League Cup game early in, in early stages of the competition. So they beat us three-nil. Graham did not distinguish himself. <laughs> it wasn't a great game. He was a very young lad, very very young, and um, and I I don't think he played in the next game. Where we actually beat we beat Coventry four uh, two four in the end, wasn't it? But they, it was four they, nil up at one. Point. We were four nil up yeah. at one stage in the game, and they scored a very late goal and got through. But talking about Graham, and I think your point, James, is the one you're mentioning. Do you feel for him? absolutely? Yes, you know he's he's gone in there. He's um, um, Players are come are are, are 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 I was nearly going to say foisted upon him, but that's not really true. You you don't mind if if somebody's worth a hundred million pounds, it's going to be a reasonable player, you think. So and it's just taking a little bit of time, little bit, and so, time is something that uh, you know that might not be afforded to you. Mm. I do feel for it because you think that you think that just just allow me a little bit, of, just a little bit of breathing space, and I can get this right. I can get, I can get my best team in the field. I'll know my best team soon enough. Because sometimes you don't do that. You know, I stepped in at Leicester, Leicester City. Couldn't win a game to save my life early on. Crowd baying for blood. You know, and that's hard to turn that round. We got a little bit of luck. We won two games in a week. We won down at Charlton Athletic, and we won at, at Crystal Palace. But I still felt that I needed to get promotion. And if I didn't get promotion, I'm not so sure that, you know, the next season I might, I might not have been there at Leicester City. You know, right. so these so it's the, the, the pressure's there and the pressure's obviously at Chelsea because the expectation is uh, like through the roof. I, I feel it. I genuinely feel it. if you just give them a little bit of time. He'll 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 get it right. Okay, Joey, what's the situation there? Because a massive game coming up on Saturday evening, when they take on Spurs, Chelsea are a long way off the, I mean, the top four. I think they're closer to the relegation zone than they are the top four. I mean, uh, they're going to start looking down rather than up. I mean, mm. it's quite hard to overstate just how bad things are in the looking at the league. I mean, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it's this question for the owner: at what point do you have to say enough is enough? I mean, surely that comes at some point. But you you you'd give him more time. I I, I would you know. I mean, he's clearly a brilliant manager, yeah, isn't he? I th- I think um, I think that they can they can. Um, I'm not saying that they will, but they can beat Dortmund. They can right. be in a quarter final. But are you surprised that the way results are not coming? That the way that the team doesn't seem to yet be playing with a an identity under him. <laughs> well, it as you say, a hundred million pound player. Well, he's just arrived. He's yeah. just arrived at the football club. You know, That's true. so yeah. Um, they're not I, scoring, which has been a perennial. Yeah, the second best yeah. defense in the league or something. Yeah, they have at the moment. Yeah, do they? Yeah, in terms of goals conceded, so the second worst, second best. best. Sorry, oh, second best. Yeah, okay. I went to beginning of this uh, beginning of last season. Last season was season. I went to Arsenal's opening home game against Chelsea, mm. 
they had been beaten in the previous week by Brentford, opening day of the season, and, and they had been bullied, according to everybody. You know, Brentford had scored the corner kicks. And Arsenal got well and truly smashed by Chelsea, second game. And I'm walking out at the stadium, and, you know, the fans were not happy with the manager. Not happy at all, as you can imagine. Well beaten by Chelsea, and um, suddenly you've got no points on the board. And I think that they went through a few games. Manager's doing pretty well now. Well, this this brings me on to my favourite bit of punditry ever, which was you, Martin, in the 2006 World Cup, where you listened, I, I can't remember who the other panellists were, and just said, you know what, it's like William Goldman said, nobody knows anything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of the basis of this entire podcast, <laughs> to be fair, as you, as you know, uh, listener. There you go. Well, it is a big game, though, that the... Um, Clubs Antonio Conte no longer wants to manage Derby <laughs> at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. He's back is in London, is he? Because hmm? he's been recuperating. Well, I in think Italy. that's one of the big questions. Because are they not three wins out of three when Christian Stellini's in charge? Yeah, but less he, so. He was on the touchline in Milan, I think, because his his home is in Northern Italy, right. so okay. he, that was all right. But I think, <laughs> but in the league, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Yes. All right. Well, so one or two other questions just to, to finish off, Martin, because I'm, I'm sure you have other appointments awaiting you. Uh, Hopefully just... not another dentist one. Well, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> indeed. Oh, Anjibao, I might be pronouncing that wrong, says, who after Henrik Larsson and Luba Moravchik was the next best player you ever managed? Well, I'm glad they're pointing those two out. Um, Moravchik was a brilliant footballer. He was, a, I think, by the time I got to Celtic, um, I inherited him. He was about 35 years of age, but he the best two-footed player I've ever worked with, no doubt at all, mm. about phenomenal talent. And I wish I'd had him when he was 26, 27. I'll go as far as to say, and I cannot prove this, had he been that age, and we, I think, and it would have taken his place in the um, in the UEFA Cup final, I think we'd have gone close to winning that, you know, before, it, honestly, he was that good a player. Henrik Larsson was just, you know, a class apart. A class apart. I jokingly once said to um, John Robertson, my assistant, Henrik hasn't scored yet, man. He said we we haven't kicked off yet. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you know, he pulled me out. He pulled me out of many a hole in in, um, in Scotland. You know. And scoring. next, next on the list. Next on the list would be very, very difficult to to. Uh, uh, and well, considering that list was made for me by by um, uh, by someone phoning in. Um, I don't know, James. I okay. really don't know. Genuinely right. don't who, know. Who'd be bottom? Trevor Aylott? Um Trevor, who was a good player for a while at Chelsea, but Tre- don't you have a um, marvelous memory? You know, I, I wish <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't have come in today. You know, so. <laughs> uh, Ricky asks, "How is Roy Keane away from the cameras?" Uh, Roy Keane is is terrific company. Right. Absolutely terrific company. Can be very self-effacing in moments as well too, but really, really good company. Um, and that's what he's talking about, yes. Mm. And um, I was hoping really that um, that it looked as if that there might be a chance of him going back into management and Sunderland came calling for a while. And I really thought that I, oh, I would have liked him to have taken that particular job at the time. I felt that he, did, he had done exceptionally well there before. Um, well liked, very very popular there. And if he was wanting to do it, I thought the worst he could do was get Sunderland into the playoffs. I'm talking about last year, uh, but for whatever happened, it, it didn't materialise, and uh, and and the chance had gone. But I think that um, 
I think that if I genuinely think this here, if management is something that appealed to him now, I well, let me put it this way: if if I was an owner of a football club, I I would I would take the chance on him. You would do absolutely. There you go. What's your favourite Scottish stadium outside Parkhead? Asks bored and lazy. Well, uh, the obviously the most uh, the most intimidating would be Ibrox, but after that, the most intimidating after Ibrox would have been uh, Tyne Castle, mm. would have been uh, Hearts Stadium. Yeah, because it's it's um, fans are so close to the uh, to the uh, pitch, honestly, and you know. Well, when Celtic played away from home, most places were intimidating. But uh, no, that, I would have, have gone in that order. All right. Lots of questions about Robbie Savage, perplexingly. Is it true you told Leicester players not the, to pass the ball to Robbie Savage because he can't play football? That can't be true. I won particular game that Robbie... Robbie tells me that I did say this, <laughs> that I came in at halftime and, and, uh, and told the players, don't, be, don't pass it to him. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I, he, he took it far too personally. But <laughs> I mean, he would, Martin. <laughs> I know. I, of course, James. That was uh, that was a bit right, of sarcasm. Sorry. Right, sorry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> of course. I mean, uh, honestly, I think it was the time that um, uh, I think Brian Clough once said to me at half time that um, that I was um, I'd need to buck up in the second half because he or he was he said that the linesman was having a better game than me. You know. And that um, if I didn't buck up in the second half, he would replace me with the linesman, <laughs> which I knew was, wasn't in the rules. So uh, he, I think he did replace me, but I don't think the linesman <laughs> came on. <laughs> <Not with> the <laughs> OK. And, and finally, for now, because I do hope that you'll come back and join us again another day, uh, Martin. But finally, for now, John Allen says, can Martin recommend a good book to read? <laughs> uh, a good book to mm-hmm. read? Right. Um, uh, does he mean fiction or non-fiction? Well, he doesn't specify. Hmm. A book's a book, I guess. Is it? Right, okay, fine. Is there a book that you've read recently? That I mean, it would be an opportunity for you to to mention uh, Duncan's favourite book of, mm. of, of recent times uh, on days like these. Did you uh, like it, Don? I did like it a lot. And I've, read a lot of, yeah. I've read a lot of football books, and I think it's... Um, it's different to most. Some of them can be a bit templated, mm-hmm. and this was mm-hmm. th- this was one of the most um, arresting football books I've read. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. Also, because you wrote it yourself, which I is did, yeah. quite a novel approach. Well, I took it down in longhand from 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 my days at school for uh, quite some considerable time ago. But um, yeah, um, but really, James, has much to do with the fact that I, as I'm writing it down, I, I get a feel for it, you know, rather than rather than punching something into a machine and uh, my two daughters did tell me after quite some considerable time that I there were easier ways of doing this mm. but I I wanted to do it this way you know and uh, and sticking down in longhand and and scoring out and and then going back to the dictionary to spell words that had two syllables you know those right. those sort of <laughs> things you know become a bit of a problem when you get to my age but um but overall, yeah, I, I I did enjoy the experience. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And when did, did you keep a diary through your career? N- n- no, I didn't. I what I did do is that um, I for I I I used to buy a diary mm. about the twenty eighth or 29th of December of every single year, right. and and get to page one, <laughs> and that that was it. But in nineteen seventy two, as my first year in at Nottingham Forest, I'd signed very late seventy one. I thought I'd keep a diary, and I did do for about four months. Hmm. So, and I went back to that for a few things to have a look. It is so puretic; it's untrue. <laughs> it's 
honestly, it is, you know, each day it's pathetic. But, you know, uh, manager doesn't like me, you know, <laughs> that type of stuff. You know, why am I not in this team? Well, actually, the reason you're not in this team, son, is because you're not good enough. But what, and Nottingham Forest were struggling at that particular right. time, and I'm writing these things down seriously. It's, I'm like a four-year-old instead of a 19-year-old at the time. Really pathetic. But it gave me something to refresh myself with because I was heavily into the music scene. 1972, uh, a group called Badfinger that I loved, mm. absolutely loved them. Uh, Nielsen is number one with Without You, which was written amazingly by two lads from Badfinger who'd written the song. Nielsen really? did not write the song Without You. And of course, Mariah Carey about uh, 1994, Wait, so, because so, yeah. Badfinger were... A McCartney thing, no? A Ma- a McCartney, Ma- McCartney. No matter what you do, that was his McCart- song. Uh, McCartney wrote one song for them. Right. The oh, time, I yes. always assumed that they were. No, they and and it was a hit for them yeah. because McCartney. But they were the first group assigned to Apple in yeah. 19, no, I think in nine. Two lads from Liverpool, two lads from Wales, and then one, and they wrote without you. They wrote without you, and Nielsen heard the song. Nielsen, being a big big friend of John Lennon's, thought it was a a, a Beatles song. Of course. His rendition is just sensational, mm. absolutely, in putting it together. But the, the two lads had written the song. Extraordinary. Yeah. Well, but that's go. another bit of the book that's great, is that your, your love for music shines through the whole way through. And I think the, the, the most interesting people in football are the ones that aren't just thinking about football all the time. And you know, mm. it's, it's almost like an account of the 70s and 80s in a way yeah. that I don't think I've read before. So it was yeah, oh, very powerful. Um, well, so I, 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 I love the music, yes. I can hardly tell the difference between a guitar and a banjo, but it doesn't matter. It still means that I love my music, you know. Magnificent. All right, well, thank you so much for being with us oh, today. Oh, James, it's a pleasure. Oh, thank you as well, Joey, for coming in, and Duncan, and you, listener. Do hope you've enjoyed that. Of course, we'll be back on Monday to review the football, which... In the Premier League, we never really got around to mentioning, but anyway, they'll be playing it and we'll be reviewing it on Monday. And do hope you'll join us for that. For now, from all of us, it's have a good weekend and goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.